It's the Armed Observer Podcast, the weekend edition, the Monday edition, I think is the best way to describe it. Justin Ferguson here in Auburn, Alabama. Painter Sharp was checking in from Parts Unknown. Hello, Painter. Hello, brother. So we're here to talk Auburn, uh, Alabama basketball. Uh, you'll be hearing this on a Monday. We'll also talk pretty extensively about uh, the upcoming week for Auburn basketball with Missouri and Vanderbilt coming up, two teams that have one very big thing in common, which is beating Tennessee on buzzer beaters because uh, they both just did that. It just kind of underscores what's coming up here for Auburn. But appreciate everybody listening. Appreciate everybody tuning in. If you like this podcast, give us a review. Uh, rate, review, subscribe, as Painter always likes to remind us. Uh, give us five stars on Apple Podcasts. Write something nice. Uh, it only takes a few seconds. You can give us five stars on Spotify as well. And... Uh, you know, you can subscribe to the Auburn Observer, six dollars a month or sixty dollars for the full year. If you want twice as much of this podcast and every newsletter we do, so all of our analysis and insight into Auburn football and men's basketball, you can find at the Observer. Let's dive right in. Auburn dropping uh, their first game of the season against Alabama, seventy-seven to sixty-nine. Painter, this is a game where once again this Auburn basketball team is in a point where it's just like they're not. You know, Bruce Pearl said, you know, he felt like they've been playing good basketball, just not good enough to to beat some of these teams that they're playing, Um, especially an Alabama team that I I think is the best team in the country. Um, I know Purdue has Zach Eady. Uh, I know Houston is very, very good, but I also know that Alabama, I think they just have the best collection of talent uh, on and and depth on both ends of the floor. Um. Auburn led this game for 25 minutes. Uh, they were in they were in front for most of the first half, um, and really it took until about the final six minutes of the game where things went sideways for Auburn. Now, for those of you who have watched this Auburn basketball team play this year, that's not surprising. Uh, finishing games, closing them out, seems to be kind of the the hurdle. Uh, you look at the USC loss, you look at um, the Texas A&M loss from earlier this week, the Tennessee loss, and now this Alabama loss. Pretty, pretty much, you know, this is kind of what they are at this point in terms of, you know, a deficiency where it's just against high-quality opponents, Auburn just hasn't had enough down the stretch. And um, But, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's one of those things where you come out of this game painter and say, yeah, it's a loss. It's another defeat for Auburn. It's another missed opportunity. Um, and obviously spirits aren't high when you lose three straight and five out of your last six. However, we'll say – the one thing about this Auburn team that is really interesting is that it's not like they've gotten the doors blown off of them pretty recently. I mean, the A and M, the first A and M game, the Georgia game, were not great. Uh, obviously, the Memphis game didn't go their way. But for the majority of Auburn's losses this season, they have been close games against really good opponents. And you you feel like you need to win some more of your fifty fifty games, some more of your toss up games. And for Auburn, they've just been on the wrong end of it over and over and over again. And I think some of that is self inflicted. I think some of it is their own you know, shortcomings. And I think some of it also is just the way the ball bounces and the way basketball can be, especially in late game spots. Um, so I'll just throw it to you to kick us off here. I mean, three in a row, five out of six. Now for Auburn, how, how are we, how are we feeling uh, you as the voice of the fan on this, on this particular edition of the podcast? I understand there's people out there that are frustrated, think the team isn't good enough to make the tournament. We covered some of that recently. My opinion still hasn't changed. I think it's just going to be a team that's a lower-seeded team than I expected going into the season. Right. What really, I think, compounds with my my belief now that, well, they're going to be a lower seed, right? 
I presumed that some of the players on this team would take a step forward, and we talked so much at the end of last year about how important experience could be, even if you had one of the most talented, maybe two of the most talented players in college basketball. Well, you don't have that talent this year, and some of those players I don't think have progressed or certainly haven't progressed as much as I'd hoped. Um, and, and, you know, those all kind of combine into where Auburn is now, which is not finishing games in every game, essentially, that it's playing in, but not capable, it seems like, of getting over the um, the hump. Like Alabama's just better than Auburn this year, but uh, yeah. you couldn't always tell that, depending on what, you know, if you were a random fan and you just tuned into the game, you think, all right, you know, Auburn's holding their own here. Yeah, I do think Auburn and Alabama kind of swap places this year, so to speak. I think Alabama has more consistently been towards the top. Yeah, this Alabama team, I mean, think about last season in Coleman, how tight that game was, how back and forth that was, and what happened. In the end, Auburn was the better team. They pulled it out in the final minutes. It's it's a role reversal in this game. And for this game in particular for Auburn, I think it's just, you know, there were a lot of things that you find that that were positive in this game, but there there were really there were two huge ones that were their shortcomings. And one of them is something you haven't seen a ton this year. Um, and another one is what you had. Now, we've talked about the late game stuff. I think one of the things for Auburn is is that, you know, like in, in Saturday's game, your best player, your highest scoring player is 5'11". And, you know, it's going to be tougher for a guy like that to generate looks like that, you know, down the stretch and finish it off. Um, Jalen Williams had a really, really good game. Um, but it's it's the, you know, it's the thing where with Auburn – you got to hit shots, and they're drawing up stuff to get stuff open. It's just they're not hitting them late in games, um, and I think it's one of the problems is that inconsistency of this being not a very good jump-shooting basketball team really comes back to rear its ugly head at the, at the worst times. And down the stretch, Alabama hit their shots, and Auburn did not. Now, the big thing in this game was defensively, and I wrote about it on Saturday in the observations, you got to pick your poison with Alabama. They're the fastest team in college basketball uh, on offense. They have so many different weapons. They have, as as Bruce Pearl points out, they have three playmaking guards that ensures that at least one of them are going to be on the floor at all times. A lot of times, two. Um, you got a guy in Brandon Miller who's one of the best players in the country as a freshman, and you got a front court that can bang and run and contest and do all that stuff with it with the best of them. This game offensively for Alabama was, okay, what do you want to do? Do you want to make sure they don't get hot from deep? Because if they get hot from deep, Alabama's got that avalanche ability to them where you look up, and it's like how they beat Vanderbilt by 7 million points. Um, It's how they've beaten a lot of really good teams by a lot of points this year. Is when they get hot and they get rolling from deep, it's just good night. They play so fast, they take so many shots that you just kind of get buried in that. Auburn did a, made a conscious effort because I will say this one thing about this Auburn team is that where they don't have the talent and they don't have the the the, the top end talent, I said the NBA talent, and where they don't have maybe the the twenty point a game kind of guy, what they do is with their experience and with the the variety of players they have at their disposal, I do think they've done a good job of being able to draw up matchups and, and like scouting reports and game plans. You look at how they were able to slow down Tennessee, how they were able to attack Texas A&M, how they were able to limit some of what Alabama really does really, really well in this game being their three-point shot. 
They tried to run him off the line. They tried to get the ball out of Brandon Miller's hands, which was a smart call. Run him off the line and just say, you know what, you're not going to get hot from deep. We will not let you get in a rhythm because everybody knows if Alabama gets hot, it's over. The problem is is that all that focus and all that attention and all that effort into guarding the perimeter, I think came, as Bruce Farrell said, you pick your poison. You take away the shots that are the, the most valuable. You take away the shots that are worth the most points. But, unfortunately for Auburn, it came at a detriment to what they did on the rest of their defense because Alabama lived at the rim in this game. Alabama shot like 82% from two-point field range. That might be the I, – I, I don't know the last time anybody has shot that well from two against Auburn, period. You can go back on Kempom. You go back 20-plus years, you don't find a game like that. A lot of layups and a lot of dunks. And this was where Auburn really, I think, lost the game is that it was like, okay, if you make a concerted effort to take away their threes and you live with the twos, you got to at least make the twos tougher. The twos can't be, you know, you can run them off the line, but they need to be taking more contested shots, mid-range looks. And I know Nate Oates will, you know, kill a player on site if he takes a mid-range jumper. Um, that's obviously a joke. Nate, Nate Oates is a, is a great coach, and, and you know, he, he, he does the philosophy of layups and threes and free throws. I mean, he leans into it harder, I think, anybody anybody in the country, and Alabama has been very good because of it. Um but I think Auburn just needed to do a better job in contesting. And it wasn't like those opportunities weren't there. Because Alabama gets their shots blocked a lot. They, they score a lot. They drive a lot. And they have a really high rate of getting their shots blocked. In this game, Auburn only had two blocks. One of them was on a three-pointer. And so the rim protection just was not there in this game. Auburn did not do a good enough job of rolling. They were, I mean, they were aggressive on the picks. They were doubling. They were trapping. They were doing all that stuff. But rotating back, getting guys. They were just giving up way too many early look open looks down the lane, and making sure that a team can't hit threes is smart, but you've also got to make it, make sure that if you're going to give up more looks on the inside, if you're going to build your defense that way, you've got to make it tougher at the rim. And in this game, they didn't. And much like the Texas A&M game on Tuesday night last week, the problem for Auburn was you can't get stops late. Like, we can talk about the offense's problems down the stretch, and there were. I mean, Auburn has not shot well at the end of, in end-game situations last few games in this losing streak. But the bigger problem is is that you didn't get stops. You didn't get stops. The stops that Alabama was getting, Auburn was not able to kind of hang with. And even in a game where they didn't foul quite as much and they shot more free throws than Alabama did at the beginning of the game uh, for a good bit, they weren't able to take advantage. And so in a game where we thought, oh, I mean, Auburn shot well from deep for most of the game. They took a ton of threes at the end that didn't go down and that really hurt their average or their percentage, they shot well from the free throw line for Auburn. They stayed in the game because of it. It's just in a game that was defined of like who was scoring around the rim, Alabama got whatever they wanted and Auburn didn't. And that's a two-way street. You've got to have more defense and you got to have more offense. But defense specifically, you're in your own building and you got this crowd that's jacked to the gills about this game you, I mean, your defense needs to be better in these situations. You need to be making more of these stops. You need to, you need to, you know, lock things down. And I think that was kind of the most frustrating part about it for Auburn is that here's a defense that is really good. Here's a defense that's playing on their home uh, home floor. They are playing against a, an awesome offense, but they didn't do enough. Like they took away 
the most valuable shot, but they didn't do a good enough job of taking away the most efficient look, the most the easiest. And so it was just, it was very imbalanced. It was very uneven. You pick your poison, but you don't want, you know, you don't want that other poison to be just completely fatal on, you know, you, you want to be able to at least manage it as much as you can. Um, and it was just kind of seemed like it leaned in too hard one way or another. It's great that Brandon Miller didn't hit a lot of shots. I mean, he was, he was over from deep in this game. That's great for Owen. It's not great when he's driving the lane and hammering it on you or getting those, getting those layups because he is such an explosive and good athlete. And they had a number of those guys do that. I think it is more evidence that Auburn is a fine team this year, that they've found a variety of ways to lose against good teams. And some, some games it's in different ways. And in this case, as you mentioned around the basket, uh, Alabama was just better. Yeah, I mean, and that and that means a ton in these kind of games. It, it means so much when you can say, "We're just, we're hey, we're good with with." I mean, Bruce said, Bruce Pearl said after the game, "We wanted Alabama to beat us from two, and they did." You've got to do a better job because again, this is yeah, Alabama's awesome on offense, but this is a team that gets a lot of shots blocked. This is a team that drives, and you have to contest. And you don't want to you don't want to hang it all on one player's head, right? You know, and, and there are no number of things. But I did say on our last podcast for this game, I thought Jani Broom was going to have to have a big game and for for Auburn to win. And Broom isn't the defensive factor. Now he did have to deal with foul trouble early on. He wasn't the defensive factor I thought he was going to be in this game. And on top of that, he wasn't as efficient on offense. Now, Bruce Pearl says after the game, hey, you know, we probably could have done a better job getting him better looks. But he also said if, if we get a touch down low, we got to finish it. And you got to, Jalen Williams said every game, we've got to do a better job of finishing through contact, not looking for fouls, not complaining when we do get, feel like we do get fouled, fight through it and finish. That's what Alabama did, and that's what Auburn did not do. You go back to this game, Alabama get hits pretty much every shot they take at the rim. On the other side, Auburn, 5 of 18 on layups in this game, only four dunks. Now, some of them, you know, late game possession when Alabama goes from up four to up six, and you feel like Auburn should have drawn a foul there. Yeah, that's tough. That that is tough. But the problems started before then, right? Like you, like we can all point to bad calls, missed calls, not going to the free throw line, all that stuff. We get. I mean, there's a number of those ways you can do that. But in this game in particular, it wasn't like, oh man, it, we we were cooking on offense. If you're Auburn, oh, we were cooking on offense, and we weren't getting those calls. Like, no, 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 they struggled from down there all game, and. In the final few minutes of the game, yes, Alabama hit a couple threes. They went to the free throw line a few times. But in the last five, six, seven minutes of the game, when they took over and won the game, you go back and look, it's the fact that they were able to get to the rim. And when Auburn tried, it was not getting it. There was a lot of missed shots from right around the rim, right in two-point range. And that's that's your ballgame. That's your ballgame. If you're not if, – if you're not – if you're giving up a lot on the inside, you better be bringing it. You better be evening it out on the other side. And, and for Auburn, it was just the worst of both areas uh, in this game for them is that they did not have the interior defense that they needed. Um, you know, even, again, like I said, you did make a conscious decision and a conscious game plan to say, we're running them off the three line. That's our top priority. Okay, you still can't get about 82% at the rim, right? You do a better job of that, but also do a lot better job on offense. You you, you you hang in there and you get a chance. And again, like I said, twenty five minutes with the lead in this game isn't the sign of a bad basketball team. It's a team that is it, it is a 
like you said, a fine basketball team that has a really tough time finishing against really good teams. Uh, T-Rank, Bart Torvik, has a stat called you know, game score. And basically with with what game score is, it's, you know, like, you know, how well did you play in this game? On offense and defense, you know, depending on who you played against, like how well did you play? Auburn's lost three straight. Their game score in those games, 92, 89, and 90. Okay. To tell you, you know, to, to, to show you what that looks like for Auburn um, in some of these matchups that they've had, you know, they've had wins this year. Florida, uh, let's see, St. Louis, uh, Texas Southern, South Florida, Winthrop, Northwestern. You know, a lot of those were in the mid-80s or in the 70s in game score. So it's like you're playing quality basketball, you're not playing enough to beat high-quality opponents. And that's the frustrating part because this has just been a very imbalanced schedule. We said that from the beginning. The first half of the season, Auburn was going to have to rack up wins. For the most part, they did. The second half of the SEC schedule, it was going to be brutal. Then it was going to take take a little bit of a step back, and then it was going to be brutal right at the end. That's the case that you see here now for Auburn. And, yeah, like if Auburn was playing – like could you imagine if Auburn – Right now, you know, and, and again, it's it's a little dif- different for everybody, but your pers- like Auburn won, you know, five straight games at five straight SEC games, right? Say in the middle of that get that stretch, say if you could have swapped this Alabama game with the Mississippi State game, and you just kind of flopped, you know, flip flopped them, made it a little bit more balanced, and said, okay, during that streak, maybe you take a close loss to Alabama. But then you're able to end this losing streak with a home win against Mississippi State. Like, if it's balanced out that way, I think you feel different about this team. The problem is, it's like four out of five or five out of six, three in a row, doesn't feel good, no matter who you're playing against. You know, there's some teams. I think the other tough part is, is that there's some teams like, like the Big Twelve. There are some teams with losing records in the Big Twelve that are probably going to make the NCAA tournament because it is such a brutal league. For the for Auburn is yeah, I mean. The teams you have played, the teams you have lost to here recently, at the moment, are all, that's the top three teams. You've lost four games to the top three teams in the SEC, right? You haven't been able to play the rest of them right now. When you did, you played a team like Georgia. You were able to bounce back back from that and get a big win there. It's it's tough. Like, I get it. And I, and I think some of this is the rivalry, too, obviously, with Alabama. But, like, there's some people who watch Alabama yesterday and be like, there's no way they're the number one team in the country. There's no way they're the best. It's like, they are, though. Like, I get it. They're not great. And I get it when you say, well, it's like, and there might be some self-loathing in there as well, where it's like, oh, Auburn's lost five out of six, and I lost, you know, during this skid right now, and they almost beat Alabama. What does that say about Alabama? It's like, what does that say about Auburn more than it does what does it say about Alabama? statistically you can look at it it's just the only difference you're really looking to me to me in, in college basketball this year is Alabama's got the best team Purdue's got the best player because Purdue's got a 7-3 guy that nobody can guard and that's your that's the ball game that's the ball game right there for for, for that and so is college basketball down this year yeah probably is the SEC down this year absolutely the SEC's Mid-tier does not look like what it was last year when you felt like you had several teams that were probably going to jump up and get into the NCAA tournament. You play what's in front of you. That's the other thing is like it's 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 tough because 
I think you see, you know, you see five losses out of six. You see three losses in a row when you panic and you think this is it. This, you know, Auburn's in danger. Auburn's in trouble. They might not make the tournament. They might not. But at this point right now, the metric, I mean, they hit this skid. They go these last three weeks. They lose. They win. One, they go one and five in these last three weeks, and they drop like ten spots overall in net with five losses. You know how crazy that is. That shows you how good of these teams that they're playing and how close they've been. That they haven't got their blow, the doors blown off of them. A and M's probably the exception there to that. But even then, that game was fairly even outside of that one run out A uh, and M had at the at the end of the first half. That brings us to what's going on now moving forward for Auburn, where, okay, now you have to hit these games, and like this is what keeps you in it. These next three games are what keep you in the tournament field heading down the stretch, because if you lose one of these, then you start getting to getting really panicked. Like I said, like don't panic yet. There will be t- time to panic later. And the other thing is that Missouri and Vanderbilt look a lot better than we thought they were going to, or at least recency bias will tell us that. Yeah, I mean, I I understand everyone's frustration. Just oh, I get it. Like it, the this losing is a frustrating basketball and, team for sure. Yeah, it's and I think that you know, as as you're talking about what's frustrating, Alabama has uh, countered a lot of Auburn's punches over the last few seasons. Uh, Alabama, in particular, under Oates, has played this really fun, aesthetically pleasing style of basketball compared to Auburn's strategy this year, which is a necessity. But it's you know, it's a slog. Um, and so not only are you watching your rival have a lot of success again, it, it's like, if you're honest with yourself, it is fun to watch Alabama play basketball. Oh yeah. Yeah. And right now it's not as fun to watch Auburn. Now it's not that Auburn doesn't have really good moments and really good stretches. I mean, Willow Green Jr. comes out of a game yesterday where he scores 24. He has one of his better efficiency days shooting the basketball. Jalen Williams was coming through with some big shots. You watch some really great perimeter defense from guys like Zeb. Katie Johnson, here's the other thing, man. Katie Johnson, like, this is a this is a time of year for him where, I mean, he's playing strong basketball at this point uh, off the bench. Katie Johnson, in his last – I mean, and the problem is it's during a losing streak for Auburn. So I understand, like, where the issues are there. But, you know, in the last five games, Katie Johnson scored 10, 13, 10, 5, and 12 – that A&M game was the one where he didn't have as much in there, but he still made some big plays. Alabama, he scores 12 points, 6-6 six six from the line, 7 boards, 3 assists, no turnovers, and 2 steals. That's a really good game for KD Johnson. The problem was is Auburn just didn't get enough of it from that. And, and, and the inconsistency of this team shows up where it's like, Auburn's got to be able to rely on their depth more. This game, you have Wendell Green Jr. and Jalen Williams play well, however... You don't have a good game from Jani Broom. You don't get a good game from Alan Flanagan. Those are two rough performances by their standards. You get some from Katie Johnson, but not much anywhere else. And if you're beating a team like Alabama, where they have this this loaded roster where you can lean on you know, Brandon Miller and Jaden Bradley and Mark Sears and Clowney, Rylan Griffin comes off the bench and does, uh, and does an excellent job shooting the ball. Quinterly... Uh, Alabama, they don't get a great game from Javon Quinterly, but they got a solid to great games from everybody else, whereas Auburn had really three great performances. That's not enough to overcome these really good teams. And so for Auburn, it's like you have to have that strength. Pearl comes into the to the post game, and one of the first things he talks about is like, hey, the bench needs to take more responsibility. 
because you didn't get really anything. And when Alabama was at their best on offense in the first half and in the second half, it was when the def- when the reserves were on the floor. And so you got to rely on that depth. Now, part of the reason why you haven't been able to rely on that depth as much this year is because you've had injuries. Chris Moore, Chance, Chance Westry, the big one. It just hasn't clicked for some of these guys yet, and it's it's tough. It's a tough spot to be in for this team. Um, you, you got to have more. You got to have more to to beat a really good basketball team like Alabama. And so, it's not that you have to have all your starters playing super well, or you have to get thirty or forty points from your bench every night. But it's more of like you need a little bit more from everybody else if you're going to beat a team like Alabama that brings so many weapons to the table. Um, and that they're able to pick up the fact that Brandon Miller couldn't hit a jumper on, on, on Saturday. That's fine. Rylan Griffin filled in for him admirably in that re- regard, and their guards played well. And I, their forwards, Betty Yako really made life difficult on, on Jani Broom in this game. And that's that's the thing. It's just this team is, it's again, it's this team is starting to rack up the what-if factor to them because it's like, what if they could have done this and this? They could... Because it's not like, you know, you lead probably the best team in the country by more than half the game time. That is not a sign of a bad basketball team, right? You play defense the way you do against Tennessee. That's not the sign of a bad basketball team. You play these really, play a really competitive game on the road with A&M, not a sign of a bad basketball team. The record is not reflective of what's going on right now in terms of their production. That's not an excuse. That's not a cop-out. Some of you listening think it is. I understand. Again, like I said, statistically and who they've played, these last four games for like last four or five games for Auburn have been one of their better five-game stretches of the season in terms of overall play. Problem is it's come at the toughest time of year, and they've lost a lot of close games because of it. If you were playing, if they were playing this level of basketball in that five game stretch where they were playing Florida, and Mississippi State, and LSU, and South Carolina, where like, yeah, they would have really hammered a bunch of those teams instead of scraping some close wins or you know having like South Carolina, LSU having those having those stretches where they they were threatening or trying to come back and it didn't look as good. The Auburn's played more balanced and better basketball. They have gotten better. They have started to play better, but it's not enough. And it's especially not enough when your offense is as inconsistent as they are. The glass half full fans are probably trying to trick themselves into believing that eventually one of these close games against an upper tier opponent is going to go different. But ultimately it's clear Auburn is a piece away from having a different season, which I understand people's skepticism about making much noise in the tournament because it's like well if you've been a piece away against the best teams in your league all year why would it you know why would getting into the tournament why would I invest and get excited if the outcome seems inevitable and I would say I would say that there have been some times for Auburn in these last few seasons where it seems like people have kind of given up or like have, have have been down on them and you've seen the team pick it up and start playing better at the, at the right time. Obviously, the Final Four team is the, the most extreme example of that. But it's just there's time for this team to kind of settle and, and keep going. It's just you got to get in, and then you see what happens from there. This is also why, you know, we, we talked about it last season, enjoy and savor and celebrate what Auburn did in the regular season last year, even though the tournament did not go well for them, either of them. 
SEC or NCA. It's really hard to do what they did last season. I don't think they will do it. But a great team like Alabama could get knocked out in the first weekend. I mean, they lost Oklahoma on the road. And but does that take anything away from that they were really good? You know, that was the whole thing with the team last year. Oh, well, you know, they were frauds, whatever. You know, it's a, no, they were a really good basketball team. They ran into that, that did not play their best basketball at the end of the year, ran into a couple of tough matchups, and it got them. It's it's for Auburn. It's okay. What are you going to do to to pick it up here moving forward? And you got to play more consistently. And you got to you got to do the things that you've done well more often, right? We have seen Auburn play awesome defense against great teams. We have seen Auburn play some awesome offense against great teams. Can you put it together and then down the stretch just execute better in the final stages? And it's not just the offense. It's not just hey Wendell Green Jr.'s missing shots at the end of the game. That's where a lot of people want to point to because that has been a thing now for two seasons that people can point to. But what killed Auburn last night, or yesterday, I should say Saturday, what killed Auburn against Alabama was the fact that they were not, same thing against A&M. They were going punch for punch, shot for shot for most of that game with a really great team. They were unable to get the stops at the end and execute at the end, and that is a both end of the floor thing. It is not just an offensive thing. We look at the offense, we see the offense because the ball's in their hands, right? And that's that's where the attention goes. Um, the defense has let Auburn down here the last couple of games towards the end of games. On top, like you know, like it's like somebody, it's like people were saying yesterday online, and they were like. I can't believe Auburn can't shoot. I can't. I can't believe Auburn is is this inconsistent on offense or it's like this. And I'm like, I hear you. I get it. But like, you're 25 games into the season at this point. You like, you know what the, you are at at this point. For Auburn, it's just can you do enough on defense? Can you do enough on rebounding? And then get you know have that have that have that level of kind of a raised floor enough on offense to overcome your issues. And in this game. Even though they were not scoring well down low, even they even though the points in the paint were very lopsided, Auburn rebounded and they defended well enough in the first half and early in the second half to give them a chance to win this game. It fell apart late because yeah, you're right. Like everyone would love to be able to say, yeah, Auburn's going to turn it to this guy. This guy's going to hit this shot late and it's going to clutch or this is the go-to score. They don't have that. They don't have that. Bruce Pearl has said it even this year. This is a team that is offensively challenged. It's just kind of it, – it, it's it's you're 25 games in the season, right? There might be a game where they magically hit well. And, again, Wintergreen Jr. and Jalen Williams shot well in this game and kept Auburn in and gave them a chance. So it's like not like they're incapable of shooting well at times. It's just not consistent enough because that's just what this team – this team just doesn't really have it, um, you know, in terms of their offensive play in their backcourt and their front court is, you know, can be up and down at times. But it's also college basketball, and it's also just kind of the way it is. When you have a team where you're not like, this guy's going to be a first-rounder, this guy's going to be a first-rounder, you know, these are all these all SEC type of players, this team has had to, this season, grind it out, game plan, scheme, strategize, and they've come close. Close isn't good enough, but it means something. It's worth something. Because I think we'd be having a completely different story right now, Painter, We'd have we'd be having a completely different conversation if we were saying, yeah, Auburn's losing these quad one games and they're losing by fifteen or twenty, and not three, four, five, six, seven. 
you know? It's a fine team. It's a fine team with a clear deficiency that I just don't think you can coach around this year. And that doesn't mean that they're not capable of winning uh, the majority of the games they've got left on the schedule. I think three of them, they're the clear favorite. Tennessee, you feel a little bit better about just because you get them at home and Tennessee's looked a little vulnerable. So maybe you can I end. You feel, I think you feel a lot better about Kentucky now too. Sure. And so, again, it's Rupp. It's Rupp and, yeah. it's, and Kentucky's still very talented. But yeah. I, there, there's some reason to believe that you might finish the year strong. Uh, I want to I point this out though real quick. We're heading now three weeks left in the regular season. Auburn is currently tied for fourth in the SEC. They are tied with Kentucky and Missouri. That Missouri game is going to be big on, on Tuesday night. We'll talk about that. Kentucky, obviously, a big one as well. But with the way the rest of the league is shaking out, Tennessee also, just one, one, one game ahead of you now, and you get to play them at home. We'll see if Tennessee can pick themselves off the mat here moving forward. But if I remember correctly, Tennessee, yeah, they play Bama next, and they play Kentucky, and they play A&M. So, like, the tougher part of their schedule is about to come for them. So it'll be very interesting to see. Auburn's picked to finish fifth in the SEC this year. Um, they're not overall nationally because I think the league is overall not as strong as we thought it was going to be. You know, they're not a ranked team. They're not going to be as highly ranked of a, of a tournament seed. But a top four seed in the SEC tournament is still in play. There is a chance that Auburn could ex- exceed the expectations that were placed on them heading into this season. Now, obviously, the expectations were, hey, Arkansas was going to be better. Hey, Tennessee was going to be more efficient. Hey, or more consistent. Hey, A and M. Like people doubted A and M at their own peril, uh, and then Alabama has obviously jumped up and, and become the really big power this year. In the in the Kentucky as well has not been as good. So it's been some shuffling, but even with the frustrations and the inconsistency, you've got an Auburn team that continues to fight, that continues to have a short memory, that has game plan well, scheme well. Paid attention, locked into the scout. I think both the coaches and the players have done a good job of hanging with it. And again, the proof is in the fact that you led for a lot of the game against Alabama. The most important thing is who's leading at the end. The most important thing is who comes out with a win. 100%. Absolutely. I get it. But this is not a sign of a bad basketball team. This is a fine basketball team that has gotten snake bitten by some unfortunate breaks. And also, man, this schedule has just been really tough to them. Flip side here is these next three you got to have, and they look tougher than they probably did earlier in the year, right? Tuesday night, Auburn plays Missouri. What do we know about Missouri? They've got the number three offense in the country in terms of adjusted efficiency. How good is Missouri on offense? Well, remember the team that Auburn couldn't score anything on and how Tennessee was just absolutely brutal on, on defense all season long? They scored 86 on them in Knoxville on Saturday night. They're really dadgum good on offense. They do a lot of things really well. They shoot at a very high consistency. They play fast. They take a lot of threes. They Their offensive numbers are really, really strong. They don't, they're don't. they not great at rebounding because this is a team that is not – they're not overly tall across the board. Now, they have a big backcourt. We'll be interested to see how Auburn matches up against that. But Kobe Brown's their go-to guy down low, and he's six eight. They don't rebound well at all. Uh, one of the one of the poor rebounding teams in the SEC and in the country this season. But Missouri's got some scalps, man. They beat Arkansas. They beat they beat Iowa State by seventeen at home. 
They beat Tennessee by one. Now, they've had some games where when the shots aren't falling, you know, they scored 64 points in three straight losses to A&M, Florida, and Alabama. But they've won five out of the last six. They're tall on their backcourt. They try to create a ton of havoc on their defense to make up for the fact that they don't rebound well. They're not particularly efficient. They gamble. They're going to trial that. Dennis Gates has done a good job of building a brand of basketball for Missouri this year to get people excited about this year one and make up for the fact that they are, that they don't have giant a giant front court or anything like that. Uh, but they do play a fun brand. They do score a lot. They're going to put Auburn to the real test on offense. And like I said, Painter, they've won five out of their last six. And um, they are capable of getting, like, some teams have held them to low numbers this year, so it's not impossible for Auburn, especially away from home. They've had some low-scoring outputs this year. But when Missouri gets clicking, watch out. What they just did to Tennessee is a really, really good sign of what they're fully capable of when they're playing at the peak of their powers. And again, like we said, all of a sudden, this game becomes very, very important. Um, You know, they beat Kentucky uh, this year. This game becomes very important for that race for that four for that potential four seed in, in, in Nashville or possibly even jumping up to the three seed. This this game becomes monstrous. There was a stretch in the year when they were lo- like early in SEC play when they were like three and four. There was a stretch that's like, you know what, Missouri might be going through it a little bit this year. They'll be a fine team middle of the road. That offense continues to really click and, play, and and find their groove. And a win against Tennessee like that shows you, man, they've got it. Defensively, not their strong suit. But they've got the offense to beat anybody, as they just showed with what they just did to Tennessee and Knoxville. Without the quality wins on your resume, these games you're favored in, they're, you know, just more pressure on you, I think, to win than you might have thought. And so we've talked. Well, they've got two. They've got the Arkansas one. What's the other one? Northwestern's now one. Okay. Okay. So Northwestern's a top 50 team. But they don't have the marquee win, the yeah, big one. Yeah, that's like, probably yeah, a better right, way of right. putting it. Yeah, that's probably. And they just had four. It. They just had four big opportunities for one, and they didn't get any of them. But you're right. You're right. You know, you play Alabama at home. You play, um, you know, you play A and M at home. You play some of these teams at home. You feel like maybe you should have gotten one at this point. But yeah, it's like the other thing where I. Uh, that's where I keep kind of going back to. It's like oh, people are freaking out. And again, if you lose Missouri or Vanderbilt or Ole Miss coming up, yeah, then things get sweaty for Auburn really quickly. Doesn't mean they're out of it completely. Like, they lose to Missouri Vanderbilt this week. You don't say they're out of it, but, like, man, now you have to start, like, all right, where do you pick up that marquee win? It'd be interesting where Kentucky ends up falling in all of this down the stretch, but then you get Bama on the road, Tennessee at home. You got to get one of those. and It's the momentum flipping time of the year. You know, for Auburn, can you take advantage of the fact that you're probably going to be favored in these these next three? They're not going to be easy. Vanderbilt shows that they can hang with the best of the best. Missouri definitely shows they can hang with the best of the best. And for Auburn, you haven't played like the best of the best, but you've competed with them. And so it's like, what can you do to get over the hump? What can you do to get over the top? Especially against a team like Missouri who hits a buzzer beater to beat Tennessee, right? And, you know... Pulled out a close win at home against Arkansas. And, you know, another they had a close one earlier this year against Vanderbilt. Um, beat Wichita State in overtime. Uh, beat UCF in a close game. They've got some good they've got some good wins on their resume. 
overall, they're probably still trying to fight to get in that tournament field because their metrics aren't as quite as good as Auburn's are. But this becomes like a you got to have it type of game if you're if you're Auburn. And it felt like the Georgia game from a couple weeks ago. Georgia's not as good as Missouri is. However, Georgia was feisty and they had beaten you by a game. So what is Auburn going to do to make sure they don't let Missouri kind of come in here and do whatever they want? That's going to be the key in this game. So you get these three coming up for Auburn. They're they're must win games. If you don't win, if you don't sweep them, then you're looking at Kentucky. You're looking at Tennessee. You're looking at Alabama. You're saying, all right, you got to get that. Maybe have a maybe have a good run in Nashville to feel comfortable at your tournament spot. But again, like I was saying earlier, Parent, like if you're down on Auburn and you're down on on the league and you're down there, it's like just look at the rest of college basketball this year. It's it's not. It's not a it's not a place for you know for a lot of people to be like oh this is where you know this is a really really good team or this is a really awesome environment or anything like that or you know it's just there's been a lot of there's been a lot of Arizona goes to Stanford on Saturday night Arizona's number four team in the country and they get they get smoked by a Stanford team that's got a losing record you know they lose that game they get lose that game by nine they get outscored by twelve in the second half on them. Um, we already talked Missouri and Tennessee. I mean, Virginia came close to losing to to Duke, and that uh, there was the uh, obviously the overtime, but the controversial call, no non call at the end of the game. Kansas State got beat to a team that has only won one game in conference play. Like, there's a lot of these things where you pile up. It's just it's been such an upset heavy and topsy turvy season of college basketball that when you do lose to a team like Alabama, yeah, it sucks because it's Alabama and you want to beat Alabama and you, they're your biggest rival. But like Alabama's probably the most consistent team you've got in the country right now. And again, if you can hang with them the way you did, you should feel better about what you've got the rest of the way. But it's got to turn into results at this point. The way Auburn played on defense against Tennessee can win you a lot of games. The way Auburn played on offense against Texas A&M can win them a lot of games. It's just not enough. you got to put it together at this point. And the farther we get into the season and the farther we get into the stretch run, the less likely it feels like Auburn can, can kind of turn it on. But again, it's also college basketball, and all you need is a shot. All you need is a chance, chance to get in. And for Auburn, these next three games are going to be critical to try to keep them in. Like I said, net rankings are the gospel. They're the truth. They're the ones that everybody points to in tournament time. Auburn's lost five out of their last six, and they have dropped just a just just maybe a seed line or two in net. That That ought to tell you something. Not only about Auburn, but the rest of college basketball this season. But you really could use one of those late wins, and you you feel like you need to take these next three. Yeah, fascinated. And I don't know if we'll get any answer on this, but how uh, the coaching staff chooses to motivate its players. Is it continuing to stick with the course? You know, we don't think that y'all are playing badly, so there's no reason to do a bunch of rah-rah stuff. Or is there a, a bit of tough love? Or is it is it just like, hey, you know, there's a lot left to play for. I'm curious to see if, if their mental state is as fragile as some Auburn fans seems to be right now. I don't know if the players are kind of at that point. Cause again, like I feel like if you were in a, if you was fragile, you'd get in these streaks and you'd have the, the bottoming out at some point, you would have the game where it's like, Oh, this is going to get ugly. This is going to get lopsided. That hasn't been the case at this point for Auburn. And that's a strong sign for them. And I also think I point back to what Bruce Pearl has said after a lot of these games, 
it, he's been he's taken the tact of a pretty positive one this year because he hasn't he hasn't shied away from like hey look here's where we we struggle with we struggle with shooting the ball we've got some offensive issues you know our guards are small you know we we've got to be more consistent in some of these play, faces we don't we don't always have the quality depth that we want or consistent like all that kind of stuff they they've been able to say that but he has been able to say like yeah no this is not a bad team I don't think he wants to you know have them sit here and say like you know, the season's, the season's over, the season's in, in, you know, is, is off the, off the wall now. Um, but as he said on, on on Saturday, he said, look, um, the NCAA tournament is on, is in play and on the line. And we talked about that after the game, he's not lying to him about, about what these, what these are. Again, if Auburn plays like they did against Alabama and A&M this week, if they do that against some, lesser quality opponents maybe they get these wins and so now you have that opportunity to do that you've got to be able to keep it going the good parts keep it up maybe take advantage of the fact that it's a step back in 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 opponent quality and then find out a way to get over the hump down the stretch and for Auburn I think it's just that defense can't wear out late and it feels like that's what happened this week in these last couple of games. I would sit here and say, and a lot of you are, what about the offense? What about the late game missed shots? What about the fact that Auburn can't hit anything down the stretch? The execution, X, Y, Z. I get that. I understand that Like that is an issue. However, I would like to point back to the fact that 25 games in the season, we know not to expect awesome fireworks from Auburn on offense all the way through. The more concerning thing is for a team that needs to lean on its defense, lean on its depth, lean on its experience down the stretch on that end of the floor, they're coming up short time and time again. Against some really good offenses in A&M and, 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 and Alabama, of course. But this team needs to win with its defense. They need to win with that with that experience and use that to help them. Wait, like Think about the closest they've come to winning uh, these ga- one of these games here in the street. Tennessee, right? What did they do down the stretch against Tennessee? They make they got stops. They got stops. Now they couldn't hit it on the other end, but they got stops and they were hanging in there. That's what they've got to do because we know that this team is just not they don't have that go to guy and they and you know, they just they, they struggle late in games. And I don't know if that magically gets fixed twenty five games in the season. It would be different if we were looking at this after game seven or game eight. Saying, okay, what can you tweak? What can you improve? They can get better. They can improve. But like we say in football a lot of time, at this point in the year, you are what you are. Your roster is what your roster is. And and the time for discussing what that looks like and who that entails moving forward, that time will come. That will that will carry a lot of this offseason. For now, the focus is with what you've got, with your strengths, with your weaknesses, with uh, your, your roster, how can you maximize your opportunities that's the real question for this team and you've got three games coming up where it's like all right this isn't the murderer's row it's not easy but it's not the murderer's row you got to take advantage of it and really show that you have been playing better basketball these last last few weeks like make it actually count in the record book instead of just coming up short time and time again all right before we move on Let's talk about our friends at Home Field Apparel, homefieldapparel.com, the number one place to buy vintage collegiate apparel. Banner, I'm currently rocking the Home Field hoodie right now, the branded stuff. 
Um, they are uh, they're refreshed this week. Refresh this week. They've got new uh, limited collections coming out. I believe it's the Big Ten weekend. So Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State coming up. Um, so if you care about any of those schools or have friends or family members that care about those schools, check it out. You can also get all really awesome Auburn stuff. It's cold down here right now. I'm sure it's cold in parts unknown. You want to bundle up, get a home field hoodie, crew neck. There's a lot of great Auburn styles, basketball, baseball, football, general Auburn stuff. A lot of ton, a lot of ton, cool, a lot of, a ton of cool stuff. Not a lot of a ton. That doesn't make any sense. Uh, you can get at homefieldapparel.com. 15% off your first order at Homefield if you use the promo code Observer when you check out. You can also buy the official Auburn Observer t-shirt. Uh, look cool and fashionable in front of all your friends and family and get uh, the Observer shirt. Like I said, you can subscribe to the Observer, auburnobserver.com. $6 a month or $60 a year. There are links everywhere around you. Uh, if you go to the website or here on the podcast. All right, Painter, we're recording this on Sunday afternoon, evening before the Super Bowl. Uh, this will come out after the Super Bowl, so we won't talk about who wins or loses. But I will say, and I hope I don't give them the, the curse of the podcaster here with this, Auburn has uh, a, a player getting back into the mix in the in the Super Bowl um, because Aaron Sipos looks like is going to be active for the Eagles as their punter and their holder. He's been hurt here recently so shout out to Sipos hopefully he can make uh, he can make the folks proud at the Super Bowl on Sunday night wherever however that turns up we're speaking to you from the from the distant past better I wanted to bring up something we talked about on our last podcast I wanted to spin it forward a little bit more and talk to you talk about it from um, on the bigger platform where we have more people listening to this because I, I, I'm still interested in it I had a couple people reach out to me and kind of give their their insight and their takes on it. But I would like to get more of your opinions on it uh, while, before we go. Uh, Auburn football conversation. It, it does affect basketball too, but it's more about football at this point. Uh, you know, Auburn is about to get some new neighbors in the SEC with Oklahoma and Texas coming in. Painter and I, we had a discussion on our premium podcast. For those of you who are in the inner circle, you can check that out. Don't worry, hash all the details, but... The, the thought process is that the SEC is most likely, when Texas and Oklahoma join the league next year, in 2024, they will have a schedule where you have three permanent opponents, six rotating ones, six on, six off, um, and then you rotate them out each year so that you will play everybody within two years and play in everybody's stadium within at least four, and then obviously you play the other teams way more often because they're your permanent rivals. A lot of people have had different ways to sort it out. Um, there have been, there were uh, just a wide variety of, because um, you have, you know, you have 15 teams and you have, say Auburn always plays Alabama and Georgia. I think that's going to be almost guaranteed. And pretty, I, don't, I don't think I've seen a format where anybody has said, nope, Auburn does not play Alabama or Georgia. No, you're going to carry those. But who do they take? And the question is, the grand question, and I want to hear from you guys. Uh, so comment, tweet at us, might put a poll out, maybe on Monday or something like that. That third permanent opponent from for Auburn, and we've talked about this before, but I think we saw – I saw another one the other day after they put, put it out. I think it was Marcelo who had his list. I'm going to try to pull Marcelo's list up while I'm, um, while I'm, while I'm searching here uh, about, you know, who – who should be the third permanent opponent for Auburn and Al- for for Auburn in addition to Alabama and Georgia? 
the argument comes down between do you want to play a team that you play often or historical significance? Florida, Tennessee, potentially LSU. Or do you want to play a team that say, you know what, if you got to play Alabama and Georgia every year, let's not hurt. Let's not hurt everyone. Let's 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 get it a, a lot more balanced. Um, and Mississippi State, South Carolina, uh, Vanderbilt. I think I saw Vanderbilt on one of them uh, recently. I think I might have been Marcellus. Kentucky. Uh, you know what else? What else do you do? And so the debate is, what side do you lean on? And Painter, correct me if I'm wrong. You were on the side of play, play one of the bigger teams more regularly. I would like to play LSU or Florida consistently in that third spot. If I were a few years older, I might say Tennessee. Um, as I mentioned recently, though, I understand the pragmatist saying, "Hey, let's not. Yeah, let's 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 not let's not uh, overload uh, ourselves." I've always thought that the great compromises Mississippi State because I believe if I remember correctly and I don't want to be dead wrong on this I think Auburn has played Mississippi State the twice uh, the second most twice most second most out of any uh, team behind Georgia um, because obviously the Iron Bowl has got that big gap in its history Ag schools border states state is historically not a powerhouse in the SEC you know don't you know, don't have a ton of championships to point to or anything like that. But it wouldn't be like you were playing somebody. It wouldn't be like, and eh, Auburn's going to play Missouri every year. And it's yeah, like, playing well, that Vanderbilt would be, would be boring. Playing Missouri, it just wouldn't make a whole lot of sense. Jordan, our, our buddy Jordan Hill, he did a thing at two four seven. I thought was interesting, but from the Georgia perspective, it was like, okay, he ranked all fifteen opponents and said in order, like, here's who, here's who Georgia should play every year. And it was like Florida was number one, and I think. Tennessee or, or, and Auburn or and Auburn were like they might have been co one and two but it's like who else is like do you want to go Tennessee you know and then he ranked all of them I think and gave his reasoning for all and like he had to get really creative when he was like oh, Georgia should play A&M every year because you know or Georgia should play Oklahoma every year uh his reasoning for Vanderbilt was like one sentence and it was like a trip to Nashville every other year sounds fun like that, like and like poor Vanderbilt man. That's just how they, that's just how they are viewed by the rest of the league. What's the most fun city or town? Because the answer is going to vary by person. Like I think Athens gets a lot of credit for being the quintessential college town, maybe viewed as one of the best in the country. Nashville's just a city, but again, a lot of people enjoy visiting. Baton Rouge, because of the culture and its proximity to New Orleans, is a fun visit. Auburn and Tuscaloosa are more in that mold of a college town where the you know the economy and a lot of, of the area just revolves around the school. It sort of depends on what it is you're going for. Yeah, it's like Nashville or Vanderbilt's got Nashville. Texas is going to bring Austin into the picture. Yeah, that's going to change how you might answer that question. And I think that the thing with Baton Rouge is like the the area around LSU or like that. Like a lot of people can have fun at LSU. Like I feel like LSU is very polarizing. Where it's like I think we I think if everyone is honest, and those of you who are Auburn fans that are listening, Painter, you could you can put yourself in that in your heart of hearts. If you're really honest, you know that the atmosphere, the pregame, in-game, post-game at LSU is one of the best, period. Now, you may have had some very bad experiences at LSU dealing with 
the fan base from LSU and how aggressive they can be uh, at times, um, whether they are young or old. Uh, and you know, I there were always stories when I when I was growing up of um, you know people in my family, friends that I knew, they were being like, yeah, we went to. We went to Baton Rouge and somebody pulled a knife out on us and it's like in the parking lot. Like, yeah, like everyone has those kind of stories, but like, I think we also know that Baton Rouge hits, you know, and and maybe it's just me by being biased because I just enjoy be, going to Baton Rouge and particularly eating in Baton Rouge. I should issue a clarification. I haven't really spent much time in the city. Like all of yeah, my no, dealings it's, it's in all Baton been, Rouge it's all been, been around on LSU. campus yep. by a yep. stadium Same here. tailgating. Right here. Yeah. So, yep. you know... I, I'm kind of letting my feelings about visiting and having a good ever, time in New Orleans bleed into Baton Rouge. Have you ever been to Fayetteville? I have not. That is one of the destinations so Fayetteville, I've not made it to. So Fayetteville, like that whole area, like Northwest Arkansas, because it's got all that Walmart money and chicken money and all that. Like it's exploded. It's huge. There's a lot of like stuff there. Um, and but like Fayetteville itself, I like. The downtown area, I can't remember the name of the street off the top of my head, so I'm, I'm sorry for, for those of you um, who ride for Fayetteville. It kind of reminds me of like a, like a, like a, like an alternate history version of like Athens. Like it's very Athens-y, you know, Oxford-y, um, you know, that kind of type. Um, but it is big. I think it's also like Athens, like it legitimately itself is a, is a decent sized city, even if it's most of the attention is, you know, on the hogs and, and, and UA. Admittedly, a very short trip for me the year that I went. Uh, I found Lexington to have some charm. Knoxville, another one that's it's a good sized city. On uh, uh, in addition to the fact that there's you know Tennessee, like that area right around UT is like very Tennessee centric, but it's also a good sized city on its own. Right. I, I will say, and apologies for those of you who are from there or around there or have feelings there. I I don't have a whole lot to say about Columbia, South Carolina. I'm just not a I'm not a fan. I don't really think it's that great of a vibe. Maybe that's just me, but not not crazy about it. I'm also the opinion, like Oxford, like I love Oxford because you eat well in Oxford. I do think there's some parts of Oxford that is a little overrated, the Grove. Um, but, you know, there's, you know, it's got a lot of it. And then, of course, if you've listened to me on this podcast or back on our radio show, you know I have this weird, like, Starkville is actually fine. Like, that is my... That is my hottest take that I can have about a college town. Is, like, is that sort of... Um, because it's I, also food-related as well. I, I wonder, is Starkville sort of like the nickelback of the SEC where it became very popular? They became a punchline? Like, as time has gone on, it's like, well, sure. Is it... No, this band is not Nirvana. But also, uh, like, is it as bad as we've all made it out to be? And some of you listening are going, yes, yes, it is. Yeah. Again, for those of you who know me or know what I get myself into a lot, um, I am not one to, for going out. The the bar scene, uh, painter. I mean, painter knows this. I I am I am a person who sticks, you know, to a very small circle of people and don't necessarily like hanging out and going out and all that kind of stuff. So my college town experiences are usually tied to the food scene mostly, but also just like, is it nice to walk around? Is it, is it a, is it a good vibe? Are the vibes strong there, especially on game days or game weekends? Starkville, it's mostly food related for me. Like I, I will, I will, I will attest to that. Um, I'm not crazy about Gainesville. 
I know, I know that's got, I know that's kind of got of a mixed opinion. But the other one, I, I haven't been crazy about Columbia, South Carolina. But I've said that before. College Station, I have, I, yeah, I can have a decent time at College Station. It's just an odd place, but it, uh, but it's in Texas. They so take a lot of heat off of Auburn. They take a lot yeah, of heat off do. of Auburn. They do. I didn't know they brought the Milkmen uh, to basketball games, and I found that wow. out this week. They're they're out I don't there. Think I realized that either. Yeah, they're out there. They're out there <laughs> doing 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 the thing. Um, Columbia, Missouri. Can Missouri. we trade them? Can they? They, I, they would be so much happier, I think, somewhere else, and we would be happier if they were somewhere else. Right. So again, this isn't smack talk ahead of Auburn playing Missouri because again, Missouri's basketball team is good, and they've got a really fun offense. Kobe Brown's great. Uh, Dennis Gates has has got a has got a fun team right off the bat. No disrespect to Missouri and the nine million people who went to Missouri's journalism school that run this entire industry. Missouri, Missouri's campus—I've said it before—like it feels like it feels like a Big Ten school that never got to be in the Big Ten. It's like they and apparently there was some beef back in the day about getting into the Big Ten or not, um, or maybe not that far back in the day. It's like yeah, it's so much kind of like aha, yes. The institution, the hallowed halls of learning. Oh, oh yes, you know, and it's like, yeah, but y'all used to hang out with like Iowa State. Yeah, calm and, down. <laughs> like, like you, you and Oklahoma State were friends. Like, you know, and so it, it is. It does feel out of place. A and M, they're weird enough and rich enough and crazy enough that they they just fit right in culturally to what the SEC provides. Missouri is just like in this other realm, and I guess maybe. I've never been to Kansas. I've never been to KU. Like I don't know how they fit into that. If if Kansas is like that as well, I know Kansas State's not like that because uh, Kansas State's a farm that you know has really good donuts and um, they do a lot of stuff wearing purple uniforms. Like it's just Missouri. Just like could you trade? So like when Texas and Oklahoma come to the league, Painter, if you let's say here we'll wrap up on this. Texas and Oklahoma are coming into the league, but let's say. We get a free reign to rearrange the conference into our liking. 16 teams. you got to have 16. Texas and Oklahoma are coming in. You can trade any other team that's in the SEC right now or teams for someone else. Who are you taking? Say you want to get rid of Missouri and Vanderbilt. Who do you bring in instead? Clemson, and I want you to go so I can stall. So Clemson, I, th- I think that's a good pick. I think Clemson culturally fits with the SEC better than they do the ACC. I like it. I mean, Clemson, I would go with Clemson as well. If I want to be like, if I wanted my OCD to be satisfied, I think you probably like, hey, we're bringing Oklahoma in. Let's bring Oklahoma State in as well. Because I think Oklahoma State kind of fits. I think they're a better fit culturally than Missouri is. They're cra- they had a crazy person spend a lot of money, crazy rich man spend a lot of money, uh, a lot of stuff they like. They like the ag stuff and stuff like that, you know. That's they seem to fit in more more in with that. Clemson makes sense. A lot of people are probably sitting here saying Florida State. I don't know if I'm like, I don't know. Like Florida State does like culturally feel like an SEC school, but like I don't know. They 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 also have this like other weirdness kind of attached to them that I that I've never been able to qu- quite put my finger on. Um, I like your may, Oklahoma think, State I answer. Think, That's not one I would have have gone with. Maybe North Carolina. Oh, even though that one, like you know, I would hate in a sense to remove that ACC 
thing that them and Duke have, but yeah, you know, for my own purposes, I don't think I would hate having North Carolina and Clemson. Would you take? Run. Would you take Louisville? I would prefer not. I would prefer not. <laughs> their football team's always always doing weird stuff, and their basketball team might be the worst one I've ever seen from a, from a power conference. It's startling right how bad the basketball team has gotten, and a reminder that <laughs> I'm still nervous about what happens after the iteration of you know Auburn basketball post Bruce Pearl. Yeah, I just I keep I keep thinking that whenever Bruce decides to hang it up, I think there's going to be a succession plan in place of something to try to keep it rolling. I mean, it makes a lot of sense. Possible. It seems like a layup yeah. of a decision. Yeah, whether it's whether it's Stephen Pearl or another one of the assistants, or maybe somebody that that Pearl off of Pearl's tree like that. That seems more likely than Auburn being like, all right, we have an opening. Let's go get let's go get somebody brand new. And I don't know. That just doesn't feel like that would that would fit with what what Auburn's trying to do at this point. So you went Clemson, are you locking in the Oklahoma State answer? You know what, I'll go Oklahoma State. I know some of you listening to this would say Clemson, Florida State. But I don't necessarily want Florida to be happy. And <laughs> you know what, George, and, and you know what, Georgia's a big enough rival for them. And I guess, yeah, Oklahoma has Oklahoma, has Texas coming in as well. I just know Oklahoma State has always felt like they're kind of they're kind of I would rather take Oklahoma State than TCU or Baylor or Texas Tech, right? Like of the other Big Twelve schools, I don't think that's out of the line. What are you thinking? Are you thinking Notre Dame? <laughs> just like, <laughs> just like pull somebody. Out. I wonder at a, what point they're pull a they're... USC and UCLA. What is that? What's the USC UCLA pull that the SEC could have? Where it's like that doesn't make any sort of sense. But okay, like, is there going to become a point where Notre Dame's hand gets forced and they've got to leave the independent I status? So. I would think so at some point. I think so. Because they got a the good answer, thing going. I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't want to stop doing it if I were them either. The answer, by the way, if you want to say what is the, t- I don't know if I can come up with two teams, but what is the SEC? What is the SEC's like? Oh, that doesn't make any sense geographically. Pull that they could pull, you know, into uh, the SEC, like like USC and UCLA going to the Big Ten, right? There's two. There's there's one that's funny, and then there's one where it's like. Okay, yeah, that would be hilarious. But the one out of like nothing because you know they're already in a really good conference, so they're set up for it. It's like it's the joke, haha. Ohio State's basically an SEC team that plays in the Big Ten. Like they're the only team that can win a national title outside of this this footprint of ours that exists. Um, but you know what? My real answer is for that. If 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 the SEC was like, we're gonna get somebody that we're gonna get a we're gonna get a team that tries to be an SEC school or at least an SEC football and basketball program, I would say, without being in this area. And it's Oregon. It's just like, hello, Oregon. Welcome. <laughs> you you want, you have tried so hard to be the SEC team out West. Come on in. Like, that would be funny. And, like, every year, like, there's, like, every year, like, uh, Florida's got to go out to Oregon or something like that, just completely across the country. That's That's the move. That's the vision where it's like, the, and Oregon figured it out better. Like we'll see what Lincoln Riley does at USC, you know, long term. But like I think Oregon figured it out pretty quickly with the, with who they've hired in that range. Is like, hey, that part of the country is where all the all the really good teams are. Let's let's try to get as much as we can from down there. And USC obviously with Riley, Riley is at least in that footprint, so to speak, with with Oklahoma. Um, but we'll see how that how, how that continues. But yeah, it's Oregon or SEC Oregon. We're gonna make it happen. When the day when the day when the SEC and the Big Ten are the only two conferences left standing, and they're organizing to like basically 
form like two NFL juniors, um, Oregon's going to be the Oregon's going to be the SEC's you know aggressive aggressive uh, chess piece move, you know, chess board move they're going to make. All right, that really got off the rails really, really quickly. But Auburn is playing Missouri in basketball on Tuesday night, uh, and uh, we will have uh, a podcast up probably either Thursday or Friday this week for those of you who are in the inner circle. We'll also talk the Vanderbilt game as well. Keep up to date with everything with football. Um, thanks for listening to the podcast. For those of you who are in the inner circle who are subscribed, you will get a newsletter on Tuesday uh, from the football side of things. And then, of course, the observations and the basketball and the football, the mailbag, all that good stuff throughout the throughout the week. Appreciate everybody for uh, for tuning in. And uh, again, subscribe to the Observer. Give us a five star review. Write something nice for us. We'll read it on the air because we're vain people. Yeah, that's all I got. Painter, final thoughts. Hold steady, folks. 